We are now six days away from Christmas. We will gather Friday here in the sanctuary for four different worship services, four and five for families, seven and 11 for candlelight and lessons and carols. So I hope you'll join us uh, for one of those. So far this Advent season, we have looked at Matthew's account of the birth narrative. We've looked at Luke's account. And today we find ourselves in the gospel of John. John's gospel, as many of you know, is unique. It's different from the other three that we call the Synoptic Gospels. Uh, it was written towards the end of the first century by St. John the Apostle. A couple of things had happened in the Christian faith at that time. Christianity had gone out into the Gentile world, largely due to the writings and missionary journeys of Paul. And also because of that, Christianity had to be restated and re-explained because of the growing number of followers who basically were not familiar with the Jewish context and worldview. And so the fourth gospel does not mention John by name. We learn about him in the other three gospels. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was the one seated next to Jesus at the Last Supper, and it was into John's care that Jesus committed Mary from the cross, if you remember uh, that passage. Somebody once explained the Gospels this way. Mark suits the missionary with the clear-cut account of the facts of Jesus' life. Matthew suits the teacher with a systematic account of Jesus' teachings, including the Sermon on the Mount. Luke suits the minister or the priest with his wide sympathy and his picture of Jesus as a friend to all. Luke was a Gentile. But John is the gospel of the contemplative, the most spiritual of the gospels. John's gospel has incredible imagery. For many people, it's their favorite gospel. Clement of Alexandria once said that John was not just interested in the mere facts of Jesus's life, but he was also interested in the spiritual meaning of those facts. So John was after the truth. John did not see the events of Jesus's life and ministry simply as events in time, but as windows looking into eternity. The language of this gospel is beautiful, it's poetic. And that begins right with the first chapter. It starts similar to Genesis. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John is saying that Jesus was always there with God. For 70 years, John had reflected upon the life, the ministry, the healings, the miracles that Jesus had done. And in his old age, he decided, I need to get this down into a written account. And so he wrote what we now call John's gospel. And what you find in this gospel is an account of Jesus's life, but also John's spiritual interpretation of what these events meant as he looks back. It's a beautiful combination of, of the events and what they mean. This is how John describes the incarnation. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that enlightens every person was coming into the world. While Matthew and Luke tell of Christ's birth, they talk about the shepherds and the wise men and the angels and the bright mysterious star. John tells of Jesus's birth by saying the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and full of truth. 
Now, I've told you all over the years that one of my favorite parts of Christmas and Advent is receiving Christmas cards from people all over the country. Megan and I have lived different places. We've been to a lot of school over the years, and so getting these cards from people is an amazing way to, to keep up and to see how families are doing, uh, not just in Nashville, but, but all over the U.S. and the world. And, and you know, it, it, it takes you down memory lane when you think about people you used to be close to or you lived uh, close to them or they were a part of your life back at a certain chapter and you think, man, I, I haven't talked to this person in forever. We used to be so close. But, but the Christmas cards... Even if they have a letter or a note with them, you know, they usually don't tell the entire story of what's going on. They don't say Bill died of COVID after being on a ventilator for five weeks or John committed suicide and we were all stunned or Bobby got divorced and had to go away to rehab or the kids won't talk to him now. But we all know that behind the positive messages of peace on earth, goodwill to all, joy to the world, there are certain realities and struggles that people have in their lives. And I like John's gospel because it gives us insight into the basic predicament that we face as human beings, which is this ongoing struggle between light and darkness, between love and fear between brokenness and healing and yes we all wrestle with it every day inside of our hearts life is full of times when we we feel like we're doing pretty well we're living in the light we're treating other people respectfully we're loving them we're serving but then something happens and we seem to lose the light and we can dwell in the darkness We can succumb to fear and we can do and say things that we don't mean, but that we can't take back. The fourth candle on the Advent wreath that the Ryerson family lit this morning is the candle of love. Christmas is all about love, love that pierces the darkness of the world. John sums it up in chapter three, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that ever Whoever believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. You remember Martin Luther once called this the gospel in miniature. We live in a world that's often hard to love others. We live in a world where people can be selfish and irritable and angry, where people are often looking out for themselves, where people can be hateful and cruel and mean and arrogant. And sometimes if you put yourself out there and you make yourself vulnerable, you just might get hurt. And all of us, no matter who we are, live with this ongoing tension, this struggle between light and darkness, the way that God wants us to be and the way that our sinful nature often causes us to be. How do we lose the light? What is it that keeps us from from living the way that Christ calls us to live? Stress, yes. Fear, yes. Selfishness, yes. Disappointment and unmet expectations, absolutely. Encountering people who aren't living in the light themselves, yes. Being attacked, criticized, gossiped about, yes. But if you stop and think about everything that we've had to experience this year and last year, it's a lot. More death, more illness, more friendships broken because of 
politics, many in the same political party, more screaming matches over masks and vaccines. Love is one of those words that we like to throw around as Christians, but we're not always sure what it really involves. Jesus gives us two basic commandments. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, 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 and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, by this they will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And then Paul comes along later and he describes this love. He says, this love is patient and kind and not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Now, now I don't know about you, but, but I grow tired of conflict. I get tired of, of people fighting. I get tired of the incivility that's present in our culture, our inability to disagree constructively or even have a dialogue about the things that we disagree over. I get tired of people who refuse to be peaceful. They thrive on creating drama and conflict. At Christmas, we should ask ourselves, what does it mean to be an agent of peace in the world? What does it mean to interact peacefully with other people? What does it mean to be a healer and a reconciler, not a divider and a manipulator? We need more people who are at peace in their own heart because that's the only way that, that we can spread it to other people. And so on this final Sunday of Advent, I'd like to leave you with four thoughts about love. And you could kind of call this the advent of the acronyms because last week we talked about joy and I said, here's the order. It's Jesus and then others and then yourselves. Well, here are my four thoughts on love, L-O-V-E, as we look to love this Christmas and hopefully beyond. If we're trying to love, we first have to listen. We listen to what others have to say and we listen to what God has to say. If you will listen, God will speak to you. God will tell you what you need to hear this Christmas. There's not enough listening in this world. You know, we have two ears and one mouth, and sometimes we act like we have three mouths and one ear, or no ears. Everybody wants to talk and argue and shout and yell and post and tweet and email. It's like one loud outcry for attention. It's not healthy. Listening is not something that we're very good at doing, especially those of us who are men, right? We have selective listening. Uh, my wife tells me all the time, what did I just say? And I said, I don't know, but I know it was important. Please say it again. It's because we're distracted. Our mind is elsewhere. We're thinking about other things, work, something in the future. Listening takes practice. It takes intentionality. When we pray, we shouldn't just talk and request to God. We should listen and see what God wants from us. What is God trying to say to you this Christmas that you need to hear? Frederick Buechner has an amazing devotional book called Listening to Your Life. Maybe God is telling you to slow down a little bit. Maybe God is telling you to stop being angry and to forgive. Maybe God is telling you to appreciate your family or your spouse more. Maybe God is telling you to quit trying to do everything on your own. Maybe God is telling you to stop being so anxious and, and fearful all the time. But we won't know these things if we don't listen. And if we want to love each other, then we need to listen, to be still, to be quiet, to not be in a rush. Listen to the music this morning. Listen to your children. Listen to your heart. You might be amazed at what you hear. The second word as it relates to love, the O, is others. We're called to think of others. Meaning in life 
comes when we learn to live for others and not just for ourselves. We, we, we have a few things going on in our culture. First of all, we got a lot of people who are completely wrapped up in themselves. And my dad, I heard growing up, I said there's no smaller package in life than somebody all wrapped up in themselves. And, and, and the second is that we have been facing an epidemic of loneliness that predated the COVID pandemic and it's leading to deaths of despair. More suicides, opioid addictions, drug overdoses. Many people feel hopeless. They feel like nobody cares about them. Ben Sass, who's a senator that I respect, says there is a growing consensus that the number one health crisis in America right now is not cancer, not obesity, not heart disease. It's loneliness. He says we're hyper-connected and we're disconnected. For all of our digital connectivity, we don't know that many people very well. Some people say they don't have any friends. They don't know who they'd call if they were in need. Love calls us to live for others, to be a light for others, to not always be focused on self. The people who are the most miserable are usually the ones that are all wrapped up in self, and that's not what Jesus taught. He said, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Happiness and meaning in life come when we learn to focus on other people and not just on self. The third word I have for you this morning, the V for love, is a Latin word, veritas, which means truth. When we love other people, it means we tell the truth. We tell the truth even when it's not necessarily easy to hear. We tell the truth even when it's not the reality that we wanted. Telling the truth is important, and the way that you tell it makes a big difference. The people that you should listen to in life are the ones who will tell you the truth. Loving other people means that you tell the truth. And if you disagree with somebody, it's okay. Um, two years ago, the Veritas Forum, many of you know that, brought Dr. Cornell West and, and Professor Robert George from Princeton. Cornell was at Harvard, now he's at Union. Uh, Robert George is at, at, at Princeton. And they came and gave a talk over at MBA they're two close friends that know each other. They have completely different worldviews, completely different politics, but they love and respect each other. And they model what our culture needs more of right now. Their friendship is big enough to handle their differences. We need more truth telling in this world. And if you love somebody, you'll tell the truth or at least you'll tell them what you believe to be the truth. Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And many of us long to be set free. You will know the truth. The truth will set you free. Finally this morning, the E in the word love, for me, stands for the phrase, even when. Even when it hurts, even when it's hard, even when you don't feel like it, even when you're afraid, even when you're irritated, even when you're frustrated, even when you're tired. Love is an intentional choice that we make and then we put it into action. The miracles that we experience at Christmas all have to do with love. God loving the world, God sending Jesus, Jesus calling us to love each other. First John 4, we should love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. 
He says there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. If you think about it, the reason that we don't love sometimes is because we're afraid. And those two have a difficult time going together. Christmas is a time where we try to conquer our fears because when we conquer our fears, we have more room to love. And that's what we want to do. The poet once wrote, love came down at Christmas. Love, all lovely love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Stars and angels gave the sign. Who do you need to love more this Christmas? And how are you going to do it? How are you going to show it? Let us pray. God, give us eyes this Christmas to see the Christmas star. And give us ears to hear the song of angels from afar. And with our eyes and ears attuned for a message from above, let Christmas angels speak to us of hope and faith and love. Hope to light our pathway when the way ahead is dark, to sing through stormy days with the sweetness of a lark. And faith to trust in things unseen and know beyond all seeing that it's only in your love that we live and have our being. And love to break down barriers of color, race, and creed, to see and understand and help all those who are in need. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.